Inflated, fabricated, ain't gonna equal up to this real shit. This is Clutch Crew Sports. Hello and welcome to all. This is Zach here, back with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. On this podcast, we discuss topics ranging from NBA, NFL, college football and basketball, as well as daily fantasy and fantasy football advice. This podcast is featured on Anchor.com, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and more. For updates about the show, visit our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages at Clutch Crew Sports. Hello guys, this is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports, episode number nine. Today I'm joined by both Eric and Connor. We're both back, all three of us here to record another episode. And today we're going to be talking about the results from the NBA draft that happened a couple of nights ago. We're going to tell you guys, as you guys can already see on the YouTube screen, how all of us did with our picks. We'll briefly mention some of what who we thought were steals in the draft and some of our personal favorite teams' grades to give to um, their draft night. Uh, and then also for the show, we've got a couple of fun things lined up. We're going to, there's a little salary cap thing where you can spend $15 to make a lineup of NBA players and you have to budget your team and make like your all-star lineup. So each of us made a lineup for that. We're going to talk about, we came up with a consensus NBA top 10 of all time list. So that's going to be fun to talk about as well. And then Eric's got a rant planned. Connor's got current events. So this is going to be a good show, guys. We got all three of us here back for the first time in a couple episodes. So. The crew is back. We are yep. here. <laughs> what will I rant about this time? <laughs> Stay tuned. You're, the rant that you got Eric planned, I agree a, a thousand percent with. It's it's something sure. that needs to be. Yeah, it's, yeah, so, sure it's something Connor that all three too. of us are pretty upset about. Yeah. <laughs> So, to everybody not that's not on YouTube, the way that the results, we kind of scored ourselves, we gave 100 points if we got the exact dead on pick. So, 100 points for saying that Zion Williamson was going to go number one to the Pelicans. And then we would give 50 points for any picks that were one away from their actual pick. So, one away up or down, either direction. You got 50 points for that, and then 20 picks for being two picks away from the actual pick. So based on that, we calculated the scorings, and Connor came in first with 900 points. Eric, a close second with 840, and I was pretty far off with 750. And you can see the breakdown of how many exact rights we got. And a lot of the... A lot of the difference makers for the, the results were in the top 10 with, you know, number picks like four through six were big after the trade went through. Eric got that DeAndre Hunter pick right, and the rest of them kind of fell in for him. He got either one aways or rights for the most of the lottery, so he did good on that front. I didn't do good so much because I only got the top three right, which everybody knew, so I was hoping that I'd get a another dead on right but i did get seven one ways but let me guy let me show you guys now the 
exact first round results here. So you guys can all see it on YouTube. The top three coming Big in. shocker the, there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to show the top three because we, uh, like, that was pretty much the teams had declared before the draft even uh, that who they were going to pick. So pick four was really where things got started with the trade to Atlanta. You know, it was actually the Lakers pick originally. Then it went to New Orleans. Then it went to Atlanta. It was all the little blue arrows next to the numbers on the left there indicate that there was a trade. So you can see the first round had a couple of them. And then if you look here at the second round, you know, it's hard to find some that weren't traded. <laughs> uh, Three, later four, on, later five, on, around like there was... seven maybe. <laughs> yeah, that weren't, tra- and some of those ones that were traded were traded more than once. Oh yeah, you can see sometimes they say from New York through Philly, and then it ended up in Brooklyn. So that that you know that just shows you how many trades happened during the night, and how much the second round picks are not valued <laughs> by teams. Seriously, but I mean. I guess if some teams are trading for a second round pick, I mean, all they're giving out sometimes is cash. So the teams that, you know, it's like you're buying picks, you know. Um, But so to me, the biggest I know these guys are going to talk about a certain player. So I'm going to find a different steal to talk about in the first round. And I'm doing this on the fly here, but my big steal is actually going to go in the second round because I didn't see any guys in that. I'm going to go with Nick Claxton here. This is a guy that I had going in my first round, I want to say in the 20s, but this guy, I watched him at Georgia, and he is the prototypical NBA player. He, I mean, he is so raw with his size and his athleticism. You know, he's seven foot tall. He's a center, and he's got a lot of, you know, room to improve on. But just as like a pure raw, as a pure raw talent and a raw prospect, I, I think he's, you know, usually past the lottery and drafts. You want guys with upside, and to me, this is a guy that I think has a lot of upside. Who I think should have been a first rounder. He was in the quote unquote green room for the NBA, so he was. You know, his he shook the commissioner's hand and all that stuff. But to me, I, I and he did go at the top of the second round, so it's not like he slid that far like someone like Bulbul. But to Bul, to in my opinion, Bulbul, I think he just has the injury concerns being that tall and being that fragile. You know, I I can see why he slipped. Maybe not as far as he did, but uh, yeah, Eric got that right. <laughs> Yeah, Air- yeah, oh, yeah. Got that right. See, I, remember, sure. yeah I remember in the last podcast that kind of criticized me. I heard it when he was like, come on, man, you had Bobo on your 2K team. Got to give him some love. And <laughs> and normally I would have. So I want to say when Zach and I did that 2K draft that I got him with like the 14th or 15th. <laughs> I think I got I him with like the 14th or 15th pick or something like that, which was about where he was initially projected to go. But I heard... A couple yeah. of days before the draft that there were a lot of concerns about him that teams were having. And then like word came out of his camp that they were worried he was going to drop. Now I didn't think he was going to drop that far into like the middle of the second round, but I was, because of that, that was why I had him 
so far down in the first round because I had heard that he was going to slip. So, but again, yeah, it wasn't expected too. to be that far. So he could be a big steal too, potentially depending on his injury concerns. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm reading the improvements here. Conditioning is fairly poor needs frequent rest. Can his body handle the rigors of an 82 game season? So he's definitely a guy that, but the team that he ended up on Denver nuggets, they already have a all-star top three center, in my opinion, on their team. So he's not going to be, you know, I think he's coming into a good situation where he doesn't need to be starting and he can definitely heal his injury that he had in college and kind of work his way into the lineups. Whereas if he had gone to another team and sort of been thrown into the lineups on the fly and, and really have to come in that way. So I, I like where he ended up actually quite a lot with Denver so, yeah, well, and it throws that other list out the window, too, that I was talking about on the last podcast, where the players that were most likely to get significant minutes in their first season, and Bull Bull was at the top of that list, going to Denver certainly changes that when they already have an all-star center in place. So course, yeah. he's probably not going to get the minutes that they originally projected he was going to get. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you guys now tell, tell the audience who you think was the biggest steal of the night. Yeah. yeah. From, is, Carney, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, well, I'll go first since I guess I know for sure who I'm picking. And sure, yeah, go since ahead. I, since I know he's he's my guy, Nasir Little down there for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, it was pretty watching that draft, and I kept I kept wondering where he was going to go because there was the initial shock of Cameron Johnson going 11th. I remember sitting there watching the draft and. I, who was it that the, did the T Wolves have that eleventh pick or was it the Mavericks? I can't remember. It was Whoever the, had... the well, the T Wolves had the pick, but they traded it with the Suns, so the Suns right, drafted. Right, right, yeah. And so I kept thinking, I'm like, okay, you know, Mister Little's going to go here, and you know, the Suns took. I can't remember who they took with the eleventh pick, but did they take Demboya? They, 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 um, they took the North Carolina guy. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. right. they took Cameron Johnson. Johnson. So then I was like, okay. Well, then Charlotte should probably take Nasir Little, you know, with Zach's geography theory and everything going on. Mm-hmm. And the geography, but, geography <laughs> theory didn't work out so well in this. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But it was just crazy to see how how far he was falling. And, you know, he was one of the people that they invited to the draft because they knew for sure he was going to be a first round pick. And the draft just kept going on and nobody was taking him. And each team that came up, I kept thinking, okay, you know, at least the teams that didn't need big men. The teams that needed big men, I was thinking, okay, they're not going to take him. Even though he's the top prospect left on the board, they don't need someone at his position. But all the teams that needed, you know, a small forward or maybe even a guard, like a shooting guard, not not really a point guard, but a shooting guard, I thought, okay, well, you know, they could take him and he could be a good fit. You know, he's a great player and he's the top prospect and nobody was taking him. And so finally, we got down to Portland, and I was talking with Zach, and I said, dude, your team could get a huge steal here if they can take Nasir Little. And I I remember the commentators were talking before the pick that they were saying, yeah, I think Portland's going to take Nasir Little. Woj is always right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that... that For any of you guys that don't know, Woj is like the Adam Schefter for the NBA world. Like, he's the one on the phone with everybody. He knows the picks before the commissioner reads them out. Like, you know, he's one of those, like, you know, I don't know how he got to where he got, but he's like the inside breaking news guy. 
for NBA. So. Yeah. So and but yeah, I think this the whole Cam Johnson thing just really threw everything off. It's like they almost switched places. You know, Nasir <laughs> Little got yeah. drafted where yeah. Cam Johnson probably should have been drafted, and Cam Johnson got drafted where Little should have been drafted. So. I mean, and I know they were talking about that Cam Johnson was the best shooter in the draft and blah, 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 but that I honestly think he went too high. Even though he, I, he's a Carolina guy, I think he's, the Suns probably should have taken somewhere, someone else, or they should have kept that sixth pick and gone ahead and mm-hmm. taken Kobe White instead of trading mm-hmm. it away. So, yeah, Nasir Little for sure is my biggest steal, and I think he could be a good addition to the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, they're already a team that's wanting to compete for the championship, and adding another player like this can certainly take them places. Yeah, when I talk about the, the Trailblazers draft, and this is their only pick, I'll, I'll, I'll say a few things about how I think he'll fit in their lineups. But Eric, who, who do you have as your, uh, your steal? Yeah. Well, I'm going to... Nasir Little would have definitely been mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I like I ran a yeah, poll yeah. on Twitter too, and he got the most votes. So I think he's probably the consensus. But mm-hmm. to add on to that, I feel like the Cavaliers got a steal at number 30 with Kevin Porter. Um, I actually initially had him going a little higher in my mock draft when I first started doing it. I think I ended up having him in the 20s somewhere. But at one point I had him higher and then I read some reports. He probably wouldn't go as as high as I thought. So then I lowered him back down, but at the same time, he's got good ability. I don't know necessarily he's going to be a great player in the NBA, but I do feel like there were a lot of people that got taken above him that are not as good as him and yeah when the thunder picked well first they had the 21st <laughs> pick and then they traded to the 23rd pick which i was fine with at first because they got like a future second round pick and so i was like okay cool they got a future second round pick just to move down two spots so of course obviously grant williams who got picked right before mm-hmm. him as a tennessee fan <laughs> i would have loved if they could have got him yeah. but since he got picked right before him i knew they weren't going to get a tennessee player but the two people, the two main people I was looking at on the board for the Thunder that I really wanted them to draft was either Nasir Little or Kevin Porter. And I'll get to my grade on uh, the Darius Baisley pick when we get to our team grades and everything. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I felt like Kevin Porter shouldn't have dropped that far, and I felt like he should have been higher. So I, and I know Cleveland's trying to kind of you know rebuild. They had a really terrible team, you know, going in, you know, last year and then going into this off season, they, you know, they need all the help they can get. Uh, Zach and I know all about the Knicks and Cavs struggle since mm-hmm. we started 2k franchises as them. So yeah. <laughs> we know how badly both of those teams need all the talent they can get. So yeah. I thought getting Kevin Porter at the very end of the first round was a great steal for Cleveland. So good move by them. Well, yeah, I thought, I, I thought, yeah, I thought for Cleveland too, you know, <clears throat> They actually think I think they had a pretty decent draft too. I mean, you talk about they got the steal with Kevin Porter, but they were also able to get Dylan Windler up there at the twenty sixth pick, you know, the Belmont player, to go with Darius. Obviously they knew Darius Garland, that's not a steal or anything at the fifth pick. But at the twenty sixth pick when they got Dylan Windler, they were able to get him and keep going to get 
Porter down at number 20 and number 30. So you got two picks right there that probably they should have gone side by side or Porter even earlier than that. They were able to get both of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Cleveland had a great draft too. Kind of in everybody was talking about New Orleans and Atlanta. But Cleveland had a very, I think they had a great draft as well. Those three guys are going to be instant contributors for them. As Eric said, they, they need all the help in the world. So they're, they're definitely getting better, I think. I like their new coach, uh, the coach from Michigan who came over for them. I think he's going to be a, a good coach for them. So Cleveland, I think, is, you know, they're doing something right here. We'll see how their free agency turns out. But, you know, I know they're not in good salary cap space as we mentioned on the last or maybe maybe we didn't mention that to you guys but we've been talking about it amongst ourselves and the lebron uh exiting teams saying with salary cap eric uh <laughs> you yeah, know that's, gonna be, that's that. gonna be a topic for a future video <laughs> that i will be uh i don't even know if i want to call it a rant just because like yeah i could honestly go i could honestly talk about that for a whole episode's worth <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be that that's going to be a future topic i just don't want to get into that yet i want to wait till after the nba free agency happens and see what the lakers end up with and then i'll make my comparisons and everything but so that that'll be for the future all right but it's coming guys it's coming yeah so (laughs) so my teams guys the two teams that i really follow closely are the magic and the trailblazers so the magic Originally had two picks in the draft. They had pick number 16, who which they used to, to draft Okiki, a power forward out of Auburn. And then they had a second-round pick that they ended up trading to the Lakers for a, for a future second-round pick, I believe, and some cap – or not cap space, <laughs> uh, cash. Financial cons- compensation. Yeah, so I don't know how much money that was. I remember one uh, – Kyle Korver – he he shared a story where the draft pick that where he he got drafted that pick was traded for cash that turned into a copy uh, so he was essentially traded for a copier <laughs> which is crazy to think about but, um <laughs> wow. yeah just that's a little hilarious. shows I, how I, much I they that. thought he was worth <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's uh you know that's pretty motivational you know to be traded for a copier but <laughs> wow. So I'll talk about the magic here first. Um, so they only had one player get drafted, uh, Okiki from Auburn, and this guy he was a great player for Auburn. You know, Auburn wouldn't have made that Final Four run without him. He did suffer that ACL injury against North Carolina, but man, was that guy good when he played and. You know, Jay Billis was talking about how he would have been a a lottery pick for sure if it wasn't for that ACL injury, which means he's probably going to miss most of next season. And my initial reaction, because I thought I was wanting Nasir Little at this point because he was still on the board. And if he had gone 16, it wouldn't have been, you know, like a steal per se, but it would have he would have slid, you know, about five spots from where where he was projected to go. So I was, you know, I was thinking, okay, cool. We need, um, you know, I know we need guards, but I'll take uh, the best available player who I thought was Nasir Little at the time. And then they, the commissioner reads Chuma Okiki from Auburn, 
And at first I'm like, oh man, here we go again. <laughs> Another power forward here. But the more I read about this guy and the more that I read, because, you know, this guy torched Tennessee in two games last year against them in the SEC championship for the SEC tournaments championship. And at the end of the regular season, he torched them. And the thing about this guy is, you know, he's going to he's going to Orlando, but in, in he's going to miss most of the next season. But that's OK, because as I've already mentioned before, Orlando's fine at the power forward and the center spots. Assuming Vucevic comes back, they've got him. They've got Mo Bamba returning from injury. They've got Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. So they're, you know, they're deep at those spots. So adding this guy, you know, only improves them there. But. You know, I thought they had bigger needs at guard. And then I realized more about this guy. And he's, you know, the now modern day big where he can shoot three pointers. And the Magic, you know, that they have Vucevic who shoots three pointers. But it, the more I the more I think about this pick, the more and more I like it. Because, you know, they're not going to need him necessarily for next season. So he, he can come back from two seasons from now and start contributing right away. And I do like his upside. I, I think he's going to end up being a good player. He's not going to play much next year. but So I, I'm going to give this pick a C plus only because I feel like they didn't need to draft him so high as they did. I don't, you know, none of our first round mocks had this guy in it. So I feel like he didn't need to be drafted this high. If they could have traded back, and made this pick, I would have been much happier. But as far as the player itself, I'm going to give it a C plus for the Magic. And then the Trailblazers only had one pick in the draft here, pick 25, Nasir Little, as we've talked about. And I'm going to give this an A plus because the <laughs> this is funny, but the Portland Trailblazers actually did not even invite Nasir Little for a draft workout or anything. Because they just assumed that he was going to be gone before their pick. And they they had no plans of trading up or anything like that. So they, they were locked into 25. They, they didn't want to trade up. They didn't want to trade down. They were coming into the draft prepared to pick at 25. And they were not prepared for him to be there at 25. But when, they, when he did fall to them at 25, you know, they took him. And some of the knocks about him is his three-point shooting. But... Portland is one of the top three-point shooting teams in the league. So that's not something that they really need on their team. But to have a guy like, you know, he's going to be motivated having, you know, to wait so long in the draft and to finally hear his name called. And he he plays a small forward position that the Trailblazers need help at. So I love this pick for them. I, I, it fills a need. It's the, It was the best available player on the board. And... I'm a huge fan of it, so I'm going to give them an A+. Plus. Okay, well, since I know I'll go with my two teams next, since Eric only has the one team that he's going to talk about. Um, I'll talk about, we'll start with the Hornets. They're my favorite team. And so the Hornets had three picks in the draft. First one, I was pretty, I was really happy with the first pick. P.J. Washington, you know, uh, even though I would have loved if Nasir Little came to Charlotte, just 
to have a UNC guy on the team. But the P.J. Washington pick more so fits a need on the team, the need for bigs on the team. And having a true power forward like P.J. Washington can bring a lot to the team. And just seeing how he played, it can, I didn't see a whole lot of him since, I, since he played at Kentucky. Uh, but he he was a good player from what I saw, and he he could step up in the big moments when he needed to step up. Then moving down to the next pick in the draft, the, so the Hornets, they had that number 12 pick, but they didn't have another pick until the second round. This is where things started to go a, a bit downhill, in my mind. The Cody Martin pick, I mean, I saw him at Nevada, and this is going to be the same description pretty much for him and their next pick in my mind is that I just think there were better players available at the time. I mean, even for the position, I think, I mean, one guy who didn't even go in the second round was, I can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name, right? Lou Gens's Dort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dort. Dort didn't, mm-hmm. we actually, I had him in my mock draft as in the first round. I can't remember if either of these guys had him in their mock draft at all, but I had him going at number 29 or 30 in the first round. So the fact that he didn't even go in the draft at all, and then the Hornets come out here and pick Cody Martin at the sixth pick and then go back and then going down to the, um, the what was it, the 24th pick, 22nd pick, picking Jalen McDaniels, another power forward after they had already taken P.J. Washington earlier in the draft. So it was it was a good start for sure, but I was just kind of scratching my head after that for after the Cody Martin pick, and then even more so after the Jalen McDaniels pick. So I mean, I probably give them a C, just because I really like the PJ Washington pick, but I'm not thrilled at all with the other picks. The Cody Martin pick's okay, uh, but I really think they should have drafted a guard instead of drafting three forwards, especially with the prospect that maybe, just maybe, Kemba Walker might be leaving. I don't know why you'd go out and draft three forwards when guard is clearly a need for your team. So, yeah, C rating for the Hornets. And then my second team that I follow closely, the Atlanta Hawks. We mentioned this at the start of the draft when we were talking about uh, when Cleveland, the, how good of a draft Cleveland had. Atlanta was another team that was talked about as having a tremendous draft. You know, they got that fourth pick from New Orleans and got DeAndre Hunter, a terrific player with Virginia. And then even though they traded away that eighth pick, they were still able to get Cam Reddish at the 10th pick. Because if you guys remember back to our mock drafts, we all had Cam Reddish going at number eight to the Hawks. And so it was pretty, pretty lucky for them that they were able to trade away that pick and trade down and still get the guy they wanted. So... Hunter and Reddish are going to be immediate contributors on the team. I mean, the Hawks need, the Hawks are kind of like the Cavs. They need all the help they can get. So getting two top prospects, two ACC top prospects going to the team is big. And then their next pick in the second round and the fourth pick when they got Bruno Fernando again, fill a need. They needed a big man. And to get the big center out of Maryland was a good pick. And not as much of a steal here. I mean, I, I think a couple mocks had him going in the first round, but right about where he should have gone, and I'm happy with that pick. And one interesting thing to know is that, unfortunately for me, when I was watching the draft, when the 28th pick came around, I or a 27th pick came around, 
I was really happy when I saw that I thought they were going to get Jordan Bone. I was like, oh, yeah, all right. You know, a point guard, a Tennessee guy. I mean, I know they don't quite need a point guard, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy with this pick. Jordan Bone's a great athlete. And come to find out waking up the next morning that Same. actually <laughs> J.K., he's going to Detroit. So lost yeah, that, that sucked one. too because I put a thing on Twitter about that. Yeah. Like, oh, he's going to be on the Hawks. And then usually if it's a trade like that, it comes through pretty quickly. But I mean, I like I went to sleep because and the whole reason I stayed up was to watch where he went. And so I, I went to bed thinking he was going to go to the Hawks. And then, uh, uh, yeah. And then I wake up and see Eric's message me. Oh wait, he's he's in Detroit. And yeah. Look at this. Look at this here for the YouTube people. Pick yeah, twenty-seven a- here from Denver through Milwaukee, New Orleans, and Atlanta. And then it goes to Detroit. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was talking with uh, these guys during the draft, and I was saying that I almost feel like there should be a limit on how many times these picks can be traded because it's just ridiculous how some of these picks just swap back and forth so many times. But going back to the Hawks, I mean, a solid. I have to give it a solid A plus. I mean, they got all the players they wanted, and they got two really, really good picks at the start of the first round. So I think they can parlay this draft into a, a good turnaround for them. So happy with the Hawks at the end, with an A plus, and then the Hornets with a C. And so I'll let Eric talk about the Thunder now. Yeah. So. For any Thunder fans listening to this, you're probably going to agree with me. I did not like this pick at all. The reason being is they there's good information about him, but he skipped and didn't play for a while, and they were like, oh, they were saying in the... Um, when I was watching on ESPN, they were saying he was doing an internship with New Balance or something. And I'm thinking, so this guy hasn't even been playing basketball. He's listed as USA. Like he's not even listed as playing for a college. <laughs> I know when we did our mock drafts that none of us had him in the first round. And it's not anything against this guy personally, but kind of the similar thing that. Zach mentioned when they drafted Okiki with the injury, they could have probably got him way later. And it's the same thing with Darius Baisley. I would be shocked if many other teams had him as a first round grade. Now the Thunder didn't end up having a second round pick, but they could have easily traded. And I was okay with their draft at first because they had the 21st pick and they traded two spots down to number 23 and got a future second-round pick. So I was, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, well, that's a good move because they only moved down two spots. Most likely the guy they want still going to be there, and they gained a future pick, so that's great. You know, my, my start to this draft would have been an A, but then they picked this guy I've never heard of, and especially, like I mentioned earlier, when Nasir Little and Kevin Porter were both on the board, and especially Kevin Porter because he's a good shooter, and that's really what the Thunder need because outside of Paul George, nobody on that team is scaring you 
from three-point line. Russell makes them every now and then, but he's inconsistent. Andre Roberson definitely isn't scaring you <laughs> from three-point range. You know, Steven Adams isn't going to go out there and hit a three. You know, He's not even going to shoot a three. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get, so you get taken out if he did something like that. Yeah. No. So outside of Paul George, who on the Thunder scares you to make a three? Now, I don't know if this guy has a good three-point shot or not. I mean, I've never even seen him play. Oh, actually, no, maybe not, because under looking at the thing that Zach has on the screen, only made 30% of his threes in the 50 games in ESPN's database. So way to go, Thunder. You, your biggest need was picking somebody who can shoot, and you picked somebody who can't shoot. So <laughs> good, good job, good job. So my Oklahoma City Thunder get an F for this. I mean, I, maybe I would say D minus, maybe I would say D minus because – they at least got a future second round pick for nothing, but who knows? They're probably going to trade that at some point anyway. So yeah. Before, <laughs> before Zach, before, yeah, yeah. They, they yeah, they're going to turn that pick into a, you know, a year supply of Taco Bell or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but to me, this for the thunder, this draft was terrible because I was mainly excited for this draft because as Zach has mentioned, him and I are both Tennessee fans in college, and we had three Tennessee prospects in this draft. So I was mostly excited to see where they were going to end up going. But then my you know, second interest was, well, I am a Thunder fan. Let me see what they do. Let me see what kind of noise they make. And I'd heard a lot of rumors, too, that they were going to try and dump some of their bad salaries for picks or trades or you know some kind of trades. So I was excited to see if that was going to happen, and they didn't make any moves there. Now, they still have time to do that. It's not It's not like because they didn't do it on draft night that they can't do it now. But So the fact that none of those trades went through, they drafted a guy I've never heard of who can't shoot, who has very little experience, just is mind-boggling to me. I hated it i'm actually not giving them the worst draft though i did since i only had one team i kind of did a best draft and worst draft and my worst draft is going to go to the phoenix suns because they first of all they traded away tj warren which at first i thought was a good move because they were getting rid of some cap space but they didn't get anything really in return form uh, maybe they got a draft pick or something but they didn't it was kind of similar no, they to the, gave up a draft pick they gave up oh yeah that's right they pick. gave away yeah. oh that's right that they gave that to the pacers Indiana. so that yeah. since the pacers were taking on his contract that's right so they gave up a pick gave up tj warren i mean that's worse than even getting traded for a copier like they <laughs> not only not only did not only did they say hey man we don't want you on the team anymore we're also going to give the team that's taking you a draft pick to help them out, you know, and TJ Warren has a little bit of a bad salary, but he's still a good player and fairly young. So, but I was understanding of the move at first because I thought their goal was to create cap space, but then they also traded for Aaron Baines from the Celtics. (laughs) That move made no sense to me because you get rid of TJ Warren's contract, but then you take on another contract of a guy you're probably not going to use. So I didn't understand that. And then they also traded their sixth pick 
to the Timberwolves to the 11th spot, and they moved down. So, of course, Darius Garland had been picked, but I thought they could have got uh, Kobe White from that ended up going to the Bulls, which it worked out for me because I had Kobe White going to the Bulls in my mock, and I got that one right. But Yeah, well, they, when, they wanted Kobe White, too. That was their plan. They needed a point guard. Like. But see, when Phoenix... Phoenix should have stayed at six and taken Kobe White, which is mm-hmm. that's what they should have done. Because the Phoenix Suns need a point guard so bad. Now I'm hearing I had heard rumors that they were going to go after D'Angelo Russell in free agency, but now after trading for Aaron Baines, I don't even think they can afford him now. So way to go, Phoenix. I mean <laughs> and it sucks because you know, as we've said before in some of the earlier podcasts. I don't necessarily have a true loyalty since I don't have a hometown team per se, like I do with the Jaguars and the family history that I have in Tennessee with college. So with NBA, I'm just, you know, I've I've been a Thunder fan for a while, so they're my primary team, but I'll root for other teams if I like certain scenarios, like how now there's some Tennessee players on some teams. I'll be definitely watching the Pistons, Wizards and Celtics more, but I like Devin Booker and I like DeAndre Aiden and I play as I, when I did NBA 2K, I got, I put myself on the Suns with my player that I made. So I kind of have a little bit of an interest in the Suns. So I was hoping they would have a good draft here and a good off season, but I have to give them the worst draft because they didn't get their, they didn't address their need at point guard. They reached on Cameron Johnson. They traded TJ Warren, who was arguably their third best player for literally nothing. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I was not happy with them. Well, I, well, I, well yeah, also go to go back to them to say, like, you can almost look at the Phoenix Suns as kind of screwing the thunder in this draft, too, because when I did my mock draft for this, I had Cameron Johnson going to the thunder because you mentioned they wanted a shooter, and Cam Johnson was the best shooter in the draft. And the mm. Phoenix Suns with that pick reach of Cam Johnson at number 11, just threw a monkey wrench into everything. And so obviously the thunder still didn't help themselves, but if if they, if they hadn't reached for Cam Johnson, more than likely he would have been available for the thunder to take at that spot. Well, based on who, based on who the thunder drafted, (laughs) I don't even know if they would have drafted him because, you know, like I said, I don't even know who this guy is. They could have traded for the, number 60 spot in the second round and probably I, I think still the picked him. They, I don't think, you know, I think the difference between Brandon Clark and Darius Baisley is huge. I, I think Clark's going to be a, a great player for Memphis. Uh, and, and that's where the Thunder were and they traded that's down. Yeah. So, but see, but, I think if, I think if the Thunder had wanted Brandon Clark, they probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have traded down. No, they would. But have. I think, I think, in, for whatever reason, in their mind, they wanted Darius Baisley. They knew they could trade down a couple spots, and nobody was going to pick him. Yeah, I think that, true. for whatever reason, that was their plan. I don't know. I bet it was garbage. They, <laughs> but just because of all the other negatives with the Suns, that's why I give them the worst. But the Thunder are not far behind them, so I. Yeah, uh, that that's why I gave that reasoning, and then I give the best draft to the New Orleans Pelicans. Obviously, they get Zion, but that wasn't just the only reason why. Because that's a given. Any any team in the NBA, 
if they had had the number one pick, obviously would have picked him. So it's not like they look like some kind of geniuses <laughs> or something because they took him. But because of that deal they got with the Anthony Davis trade, they were able to get the number four pick, which they then used to trade to get more picks, which is a team that's young and trying to build up and get a good core of young players. I felt like that was a really smart move on their part to do that. And Zach, I do have to ask you too, how you feel about them taking the guy that you picked for the magic one pick after the magic. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot that you mentioned that you wanted the magic. This is the the guy that I, I honestly thought the Magic were were gonna take. You know, I was like, if they, I was, you know, Nasir Little, that'd be okay. You know, that'd be, you know, more than okay. That'd be, you know, I'd be happy with it. But I was, you know, anticipating the whole time. Once, uh, once he went past Detroit, obviously he was available for the Magic. And once Langford got taken too. Yeah, once once Langford went, because then, and I didn't really want Langford if they had. Langford, I don't know why ESPN has a small four, but he's a point guard. But if uh, if the Magic had taken Langford, I would not have been thrilled about that. But so yeah, that uh, the the Pelicans had a great draft, like you said, Eric. Um, I would have preferred the Magic to take Alexander Walker because he's gonna, you know, fill a need for him. Whereas Okiki is more of like a luxury for him. But so to me, I mean, if I was the magic, like you said, Okiki is going to be a good long-term move, but if the magic are able to re-sign Vucevic, they should be in more of a win now mode after making the playoffs last year. Yeah. You don't want to go into rebuild. That's the only reason why I didn't like them taking the Okiki pick. I was kind of similar to you where after I read some stuff about him, I thought, you know, this would be a good move for them in the future. But if you're trying to win now, which is what the Magic should be doing, I would have taken Alexander Walker if I were them. But anyway, so... You know, what do we know? Yeah, what do I know? I'm not, I'm not an NBA GM, so what do I know? But the uh, other move I thought was really good for the Pelicans, which is also why, even though this wasn't a draft pick, was getting rid of Solomon Hill. They were able to trade away that terrible contract. Whereas the Phoenix Suns gave away TJ Warren, who can still be an asset and help you win games. Solomon Hill is not known (laughs) for being a good player. He's he's known for uh, like the worst contract in the NBA sort of thing. He's he's probably has one of the worst contracts. So the fact that the Pelicans were able to get rid of him, accumulate a lot of extra draft picks, and of course they were lucky to get the number one pick, but with all those factors combined, it just seemed like for the most part, everything was going right for them. And whereas for the Phoenix suns, everything was going wrong. So that's why I give the Pelicans the best draft and give the suns the worst with the thunder, not far behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric. So I'll let you go on your, uh, your rant here. It's yeah. So I, the NBA just needs to get it together with their trade policies when these trades happen, they they need to come up with a different way to make them be approved right away and processed right away. Because it looks really stupid when it started as early as the number four pick 
when DeAndre Hunter gets drafted and the commissioner comes out there and is like, with the fourth pick, the Los Angeles Lakers select DeAndre Hunter. Like, okay, (laughs) the Lakers were not the team that selected him. So it's very confusing for casual fans, which while I do enjoy watching the NBA, I'm not, I'm, I'm not hardcore, hardcore NBA. I've actually gotten more into it because of this podcast than I actually mm-hmm. ever was before. And yeah. this was the first draft <laughs> I ever, first NBA draft that I ever sat down and watched. So it looks really confusing when they say the Lakers are on the clock and then the Lakers select DeAndre Hunter and then he goes up on the stage and puts on a Lakers hat when that's not even the team he's going to. So then he goes to do his interview. They're like, oh, yeah, I guess we're going to have to switch that Lakers hat out for a Hawks hat. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why? I mean, it was already it was initially the Pelicans pick, you know, when the night started. But then they traded it to the Hawks. So then, you know, like what they do in the NFL draft where Goodell comes out there and says, we have a trade to announce. You know, this team is trading with that team. And then with that being said, that team selects. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so that team is the team that picked this guy. Yeah, Instead well, of acting like nothing happened and we're just going through like as if the Lakers still have the number four pick. And then poor DeAndre Hunter <laughs> comes up there and has to put a Lakers hat on when he's not going to play on that team for one second of his rookie deal, at least anyway. You know what I mean? It just it makes mm-hmm. no sense. It looks really stupid. And then it was especially confusing in the second round because, as Zach mentioned earlier on in the podcast, pretty much every single one of those picks was traded. So whatever team, whatever team, I guess whoever the assistant to the commissioner is came out and did the picks mm-hmm. in the second round. But So when he was coming out there, every single time he would say, you know, this team selects – whoever and then it would say like in the little like bottom right corner mm-hmm. traded to whatever like, it looks so confusing 23 remember, of the 30 second who, round picks trades. who was the somewhere trades that, i know I, I know admiral schofield is since i'm a big tennessee fan i know he's going to the wizards do you remember zach who was the team that had the pick before him or before, uh, before the Wizards, it looks like the 76ers were the last team that had. Yeah, they were the day. last team. Yeah. Them, but, I mean, you so, can you pass through. Like, you <laughs> so Susan and I were watching that together, and it was like the Philadelphia 76ers select Admiral Schofield, and I was like, "Sweet, he's going to the 76ers. Like, they've got a pretty good team. That's awesome." And then I'm like, "Oh wait, JK traded to Washington. Like, oh, he's <laughs> not going to. Yeah, he's not going to the 76ers." And then like when Jordan Bone got drafted. Like how we were talking about earlier, it the last thing that it said was traded to the Hawks. So like I went on Twitter and was like, "Oh, traded to the Hawks," and Jordan Bones going to the Hawks, and I'm excited that he got <laughs> drafted uh, again. That, J.K. <laughs> that tweet is still up somewhere. I actually did not get rid of that tweet, but um, I'll find it. Oh yeah, right there. But it's just so confusing, and then these poor guys go up there, and half of them, the hats that they put on are not even the team that they're actually going to play for it. Like I know bull bull, I think was the last one. I think he was the last player that was invited to the green room or whatever they call it. I think he was the last one and it, they're like the Miami heat select bull bull, but it was actually the nuggets, you know, and it just, (laughs) I think it's stupid. They need to 
figure out a way to like to me if a team makes a trade if it's a legal trading period and a team makes a trade both teams come to an agreement and the trade gets approved through the commission or whatever then it needs to be official none of this bs like oh we have to wait through a processing period and it doesn't get approved till like july 1st or whenever it is it 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 looks dumb it really looks dumb and i know people were complaining on all over social media about it so hopefully there's Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. noise made about this where the nba will make some changes so that's pretty much all i have to say for my rant but my rant could have easily just as well been the thunder I mean, you kind of almost got like two rants in a way because I did kind of go Eric's off on them too. But, I mean, I'm mad. Hey, I worked like 12 hours today. I'm tired. I'm mad. He's the angry man at this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be the one ranting most of the time uh, unless Kyle Lowry's playing in a game. Exactly <laughs> <what I'm talking. laughs> um, anyway, that, that, that's that's. Yeah, I'm, rant. I'm the I know only Connor one who doesn't rant. agree with me. I don't know if they have anything else they want to add, but no, I, I'm, I'm going to stop now. Yeah, I, I thought you you hit it pretty well um yeah i mean it's nothing else really to say all three of us like were i yeah all pissed about it when we I were mean, watching the draft like i've watched the draft before i've never watched the full length of a draft i usually just watch it till the magic pick but they usually pick in the top 10 anyway so there's usually <laughs> like maybe one trade in the top 10 so i like i've i've seen a player before wear the hat on the different team but I've never watched a whole draft of of it, and man, it's it's confusing because, oh, like the fourth pick that was going to the Hawks, that was actually a little bit like an hour before the draft, and so I knew that that was the Hawks pick. But when you got to the second round and stuff, I had no idea what teams owned what. You know, there was trades going on, trades on trades, like a trade a team would trade mm-hmm. for a pick. And then end up taking, you know, trading that player for another pick. So it it got to be way too confusing than it should have been. Yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, why can't they just do it like the NFL draft, like Eric mentioned? I mean, you know, being a Steelers fan, one of the the first trade really in the NFL draft last year was the Broncos Steelers trading the tenth pick, and so and Goodell got up on the stage and said, "With the the Denver Broncos have traded the tenth pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers." And then with the 10th pick, the Steelers take Devin Bush. And so Devin Bush went up on the stage and got a Steelers hat. He wasn't wearing a Broncos hat. It went through <laughs> yeah. right there. And he, so, and even imagine that. him holding up a Broncos jersey when he's not even going there. Right. So, <laughs> what a you know, yeah. And even even before that, they like they changed the background, like TVs and stuff to show like the Steelers stuff. They don't yeah. keep it as like, the Broncos. Yeah, the logos. stage was all Steelers. Yeah. Um, but... We'll move on from that. We we all just, I'm sure everybody is you know would like it to be like the NFL does. But if you so. watched the NBA draft and you thought that that was cool that players were having to put on the wrong team's hats, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. <laughs> just be just you may a have rebel. Problems, just <laughs> all right. I want to get that checked. Um, yeah. So so to our this is going to be kind of hard for our anchor people and our podcast people to follow along with this but to youtube listeners and viewers there's on the screen here's the top this is what i was talking about earlier that build your team with 15 dollars. so there's a list of five players for each dollar amount from five to one so 25 players 
and we all came up with this on our own and i guess you know like connor said in the last one grave minds think <laughs> alike <laughs> whoa 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 <laughs> That kind of happened in this one. That's um, that's from a, the board game, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Great game, actually. Guys. We can explain the inside joke now. <laughs> yeah, it's a great game. Um, I got it for like Christmas or birthday or something, and Connor stayed a week over at our house, and we played we played that game with uh with my sister a lot at night, and it it was a lot of fun. And that that was one of the cards. Great, my we had like little sayings for each of them, each of the different cards. Uh, I'm trying to remember what some of the others are. Randomies. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's got nothing to do with the podcast, but just, just a little, <laughs> you know, Diary of Wimpy Kitty, I'll, I'll Google search it. Giving it a shout out, giving it a shout out. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, can, I don't know how many times we played that game when I've been oh, there, but lot. we play it a lot. This is it right here. <laughs> Don't get the cheese touch. <laughs> um, All right, so for the for the viewers too, I have never played this, so <laughs> Eric's missing out. This is oh. a Connor and Zach thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but back to the uh, back to the lineups here. So, the the reason I say great minds think alike is because all three of us took three of the same people. Uh, those being Kawhi Leonard, who cost $4, Paul George, who cost $4, and Clay Thompson, who cost $2. So since Eric's a Thunder fan, I'll let him talk about Paul George first here, and then I'll talk about Kawhi, and Connor can talk about Clay. Yeah, so the strategy for my team that I picked was I wanted to get the best all-around group of players that I felt like would be able to contribute if this was my team, both offensively and defensively. So I picked Paul George, Kawhi, and Clay Thompson. As Zach mentioned, those were the three. So that was $10 worth. And then with my other $5, I picked Kemba Walker for my point guard, who was $1, and Anthony Davis, who was $4 as my big man. I feel like all five of those guys are good shooters. I feel like major majority of them can get you buckets in the paint. Maybe not Clay Thompson as much. He's not the best ball handler, but he'll hit that open three, though. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Paul George especially, though, the reason why I picked him over maybe some of the other players on the list was because... I feel like he's one of the best two-way players in all of the NBA. And really, you could even argue before he had a shoulder injury, which seemed to affect him late in the season, you could have made a case that he could have been the MVP this year. He was playing that good. And I'm not sure if he's up for defensive player of the year this year, but I know he was also a strong contender for that award as well. So I felt like he was a great value. I didn't just pick him because he's a Thunder player because I would have had Russell too if I was going that route. But I feel like my lineup overall has the best possible combination of scoring and defense at the same time, which is why I didn't go with some of the $5 players because like Steph Curry, 
James Harden and LeBron were on, on the $5 list. And while they're all amazing scorers, they're all liabilities on defense, which is why I didn't pick them. Have you seen could James have Harden's Kate. defense? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's bad. <laughs> and then uh, Giannis, LeBron needs to get shoved into playing defense. Yeah, yeah, Kuzma <laughs> has to shove him to play defense. And then um, Giannis is not a great jump shooter per se, so that's why I didn't pick him. KD would have been the only five dollar one I would have picked, but I felt like I could have. I felt like I was able to make a better all around team with what I picked, so that was why I picked those five. So. I'll let Zach go next with yeah. why he picked Kawhi and the rest of his team. Yeah, so similarly to Eric, I wanted defense also to be a priority. So that's why I took Kawhi and Paul George. Kawhi's one of the best two-way players. Like he, he can shut down defenders. Clay can really shut down defenders or shut down uh, offense, not defenders. But he can he can really guard the three-point line well. And I also have Paul George there, as Eric mentioned. All the reasons why Eric took him, I took him as well. And so that gave me, you know, I had $5 left over. And so I needed a point guard, and I went with Damian Lillard because, to me, I think he's better than Russell Westbrook, and Westbrook was $4, Lillard was $3. So that was, I think he's better than Irving, who is also on the $3 list, and his three-point shooting is, you know, slightly less than Steph Curry's ability to to shoot threes. So he's really not that much far. He's really not that far away from Steph with his shooting skills, and combined with Clay, that you know that backcourt is gonna, you know, that could potentially. That's like the Warriors backcourt with uh, with Steph and Clay. I I don't see that big of a drop off. And then, you know, you've got Kawhi. And Paul George is your forwards, and then my center I I picked for two dollars, Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets. He's one of the best passing big men in the league right now. He passes it beautifully in the paint. Like he he can kick it out to the guys, you know, the Paul George, Damian, and Clay from out on the three point line. He can you know, make tremendous passes from there. He can also shoot the three too. So if he's out on the perimeter, you have to defend him. You can't leave him open because he's a really good three point shooter. So he's, he's a really, I think he's the second best center in the league right now. You could argue he's even better than Embiid, but I, I'm really a fan of Jokic. So that's why I took him and he was only $2. So that's my lineup guys. Yeah, and then just like these two guys, like we all mentioned, I took Paul George, Kawhi, and Clay. You know, Clay and Kawhi and Paul George, they can all knock down threes, and they're all terrific defenders. <clears throat> Something these guys have already mentioned, but unlike these two guys, who it seems like their teams, while Eric's team was really good defensively, and Zach's too, and Zach went with a lot more perimeter shooting on his team, I went with a lot more in the paint sort of scoring inside guys because for my point guard, Eric was mentioning he was surprised I didn't take Kemba Walker being a Hornets fan, but I decided to go with Russell Westbrook as my point guard. He's $4. And even though he's not the greatest shooter in the game, I mean, with the, with pieces around him, I think just 
Russell Westbrook by himself is probably not without other at least one other star around him is not that as good of a player as people make him out to be. But I think with the other stars on my team around him, he can definitely contribute in a big way. And obviously, even even if he's getting rebounds, you know, getting rebounds that he shouldn't be, and they're just giving them to him, a triple-double a game is not something to sneeze at. So, and then to close out my lineup with the $1, I obviously needed a big man, so I went with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I think he's one of the brightest young stars in the league right now. And... So I think he and he can, you know, control the inside and get points in the paint. So less perimeter shooting on my team, but more inside presence and more paint scoring, I think. Yeah. So obviously these teams will never form in real life, maybe Olympic teams, but uh, <laughs> this is a, rebuilding this, the dream team. Yeah, this is yeah, I was, I was going to say, too, like if anybody, you know, is watching this on YouTube, I it would be cool like if you guys wanted to build your own lineup and compare them to ours and you could tell us leave. how much ours sucked. You know, <laughs> yeah. Tell us how we're wrong and leave your lineups in the comments now, or something. And we'd love to chat with you all about it. So that's kind of why yeah, I, I found this on Twitter and thought it would be a good idea. Just cause it might be a little inter- fun, little interactive thing where our listeners could interact with us and everything. Yeah. And speaking of that, uh, I run the Instagram page for our podcast, by the way, Clutch Crew Sports Instagram. And I posted the same, you know, picture here with all the players and stuff. And somebody did reply their lineup. So oh, cool. I'll try. And oh, yeah. Up. Yeah, I'll try and log on to my phone and, and share that with you guys. Unfortunately, my phone's being slow right now, like usual. <laughs> but what I might end up doing in. I didn't even think about this before. I just kind of thought of it on the fly here. But, you know, tomorrow or something, I can do... Because in 2K, you can do, like, create... You know, you can change things around to, like, you know, make custom teams and stuff. And, you know, I'll make our lineups that each of us have and, you know, run some simulations and stuff and see see how they do. Obviously, you know, it's... A simulation so it's not reality but you know just a just something that you know i'll do and then tell you guys how it went in the next episode to be fun oh there you go that's a good idea mm-hmm. mine it's gonna win spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, I, are you sure about that you know in the match yeah, i'm feeling pretty confident you know <laughs> it, no matter who's playing who there's going to be Kawhi versus Kawhi, Paul George versus Paul George. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that that's gonna be interesting. But unfortunately, unfortunately, guys, my phone right now is okay. It's it's turning on. I'll let while I'm bringing up the lineup, I'll let Eric and Connor talk about the social media outlets here that we've got. Yeah, so say Zach Scott Twitter up. So as he mentioned, he runs the Instagram. I run the Twitter. Our at link is at Clutch Crew Sport. I know I said this before too, but Clutch Crew Sports was too many characters, so it wouldn't fit. But if you search Clutch Crew Sports, you can find it. If you type at Clutch Crew Sport, you can find it. I try to post on there a good three or four times a day. I look for cool stuff to retweet or 
And I always provide links when we have new podcasts out, as you can see right there, the top of the screen, that was the link to the previous episode. So when this episode is live, it won't be that same picture. It'll be something else, but yeah. And if you, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, I will follow you back. I follow back every account that follows me. And as if you scroll, when Zach scrolls up a little bit, or if you saw it earlier, we are at 605 followers on Twitter. So growing it up and just, I've been enjoying it. I've interacted with some people in the sports world that I would have never met otherwise. So I enjoy running it and you can follow us on there and get tons of updates and everything like that. So that is the information for the Twitter handle. Yeah. So, and then Zach runs the Instagram, Eric runs the Twitter. We all kind of run the Facebook page. I run the YouTube page. Uh, you can find it at Clutch Crew Sports. It was different originally. If you do type in Mr. Dog 54 like it was before, it will still come up, but I have officially changed the name to Clutch Crew Sports. As you can see, we're up to 44 subscribers. Not too bad, uh, but we want to get that even higher. And uh, I'm going to try and make sure that each new podcast that comes out is on my featured page. I think if Zach goes to the homepage here, you'll see that, uh, yeah, episode 8 is the featured episode with full NBA mock draft. I try and make sure that each new episode is featured. Not too much more I can do to promote it on YouTube, unfortunately, but like, but if you want to have any questions for us, if you want to interact with us, you can always leave a comment in one of the videos and we can get back to you or on the Twitter page, you can leave questions for Eric. I'm sure since he's on there a lot, he will answer them. And even on not as many people following the Facebook, but you can leave questions on there too. So plenty oh, of you see my personal page. <laughs> <laughs> you want to add so, Zach as a friend? Yeah. <laughs> so, but plenty of locations for you to I, you guys I to reach and, out to us. Yeah. yeah, I try and post a lot on the Facebook page too, and I'm I'm just now starting to to get the Instagram up and running. It was active for a little bit, but I'm starting to uh, to post more onto it, but. Uh, so I, I did get my phone finally working guys. Um, let me, All right. yeah, let me try and find that, uh, picture here with, uh, that we have our chat right here. Yeah. Yeah. Can <laughs> pause it and read all of our messages here. They want, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here we are. So the, the person, the Twitter or not Twitter, the Instagram users account less underscore rough he commented his lineup, and his lineup is as follows. So he's got Kawhi, Giannis, Embiid, Kemba, and Luka Doncic. So hmm. a little bit different strategy. He went than, more top ex- Expensive. Here. Yeah, he, he went with the $5 player and two $4 players. So he had to get two $1 players. An interesting lineup. Personally, I think my lineup could beat it, but... Uh, it's different to get, you know, because all three of us had three of the same players, so we really had similar teams, whereas his team is quite a bit different than our teams. Definitely got the the big guys, probably lacking quite a bit in the three-point shooting department, but he definitely has some... His players are a lot bigger than ours are on our teams, because we all really only have 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 the rebounding advantage. Yeah, because we all really only have one big man each on our team, whereas he's got two with Giannis and Embiid. So, yep, that's uh, so that's an interesting lineup. But 
we'll move on now to our next segment of the show, which is our top 10 consensus NBA players of all time list. And it's actually going to be 11 players that we're going to talk about today. But so the way this worked is all three of us came up with our own top 10 individually. And then we kind of averaged them together, the players in the rankings. So we came up with one consensus list to talk about. So we don't talk about three lists and the same players three times. So the the tie was at the number 10 spot. So our tie here is with Hakeem Olajuwon, as you can see in the picture on the screen right here. Obviously played for the Houston Rockets. Two championships in that span when Jordan was playing baseball. And, you know, his numbers are great. He had 21.8 points, 11, in the, 11 rebounds. He got an MVP. I actually didn't have this guy in my top 10. He would have been my number 11, but uh, I forget where you guys ranked him. But you guys put him up kind of high, 7 yeah. and 9. I had him at number nine. I mean, yeah. thing, I had him uh, at six, I think. Okay. Yeah, the, the thing about Hakeem Olajuwon, I think for me, that puts him a bit lower is that, unfortunately for him, he's always going to be marred by the the fact that what would have happened if Jordan hadn't taken those two years off? Mm-hmm. Like, would he have won that MVP award? Would he have won those two championships? And in a lot of people's minds, he wouldn't have, you know, the Bulls would have won those two years as well, and Jordan would have eight championships instead of just six. So it's even though he was a great player, obviously, it's why he falls a little bit lower on my list, because just because he's kind of living in that shadow, and it's hard for me to see him with the stats he has and the you know awards he has if Jordan doesn't take those two years off. Yeah. And so the other player we had tied for 10th, I think he's a little bit higher up on this list. I think he was number five on this list. Okay. No, oh, actually, no, there he is. Yeah, Larry Bird here. And it says seven on the website. It's ten for us. Uh, three championships, 12 All-Stars, three MVPs, 24, 10, 6 career averages. And to me, I had him, I think, at seven. In my lineup, but he he was instrumental, you know, during the, that time period for the NBA. It was Bird versus Magic almost every other year, and oh yeah, so you know that's one a of the most famous rivalries of all time. Yeah, that's a whole decade rivalry going on, and I believe you know Magic won more championships in the end, but you know Bird still was no slacker. You know he. He won a few, and you know that to me, that's why he he has to be in this list for for those reasons. So, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Eric. You want oh, to say something? I, was, I was just gonna say because one of my basis or one of the things I tend to base my players on when I make a ranking thing like this is I like players when they're able to step up and be. Clutch in the big moments. Clutch crew sports. Clutch crew. Obviously, why? Yeah, it makes clutch sense. points. But see, wow. that's why. That's why, at least for now, somebody like Stephen Curry, as great as a player he is, would not be in my top ten. 
just because he hasn't been able to come through in the big moments. And same with like a James Harden or, you know, like some of these modern day players that have not been able to step up in the big moment. But Larry Bird was a beast in the big moment and he was a good shooter. He was somebody you could trust in the final moment of a game to like take the shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You didn't think, oh man, Larry Bird's got the ball. Oh no. Like, unless you're a fan <laughs> of the other team. But if you're a Boston fan and you see Larry Bird's got a good look at the end of the game, in your mind you're thinking, okay, he's making this shot. There, you just you you you'd be more surprised that he would miss it than you would if he made it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that that's why he made my list too. I I just he doesn't necessarily look like somebody who would be a great <laughs> player. Like if you didn't know who he was and you just looked at a picture and you think, man, he was a beast in the NBA. But yeah, he. <laughs> He's a legend, and he's in the top ten of a lot of people's list for a reason. Yeah, and I was the one out of this group that didn't put him in my top ten, but kind of like with Zach with Hakeem Olajuwon, he would have been my number 11 on the list. So he's right outside of that for me. Um, yeah, so you know, we talked a little bit there about his rival for the time period. Magic Johnson we have is the number nine person in our rankings, and... Lakers fans, don't get mad at me. I had him ranked like four or five. <laughs> I had him. I had him ranked number four. Okay, I had him five. Get mad at he was, mad he, at was he was eleven. He was eleven for me. <laughs> I. I mean, he's obviously an outstanding player, and you know, like I said, he was only one away from my top ten, so I had him closer there. But looking at the accolades, you. Some people say he's the greatest point guard of all time. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but I guess just because I felt like at the time when him and Larry Bird were both at their peak, I felt like Boston got them more than the Lakers did, and I felt like Magic had a better cast around him in that sense. That's true. I mean, obviously, obviously, both of them have had amazing teams. That's why they were facing each other in the finals all the time. But that's why I gave Larry Bird the slight edge over Magic Johnson. But really, in terms of pure talent, I mean, they're both amazing players. Easily, it could be debated that, you know, Larry's better than Magic or Magic is better than Larry. I mean, it's not like clear cut, like, mm-hmm. oh, this one was so much better. I don't know. It when you're talking about obviously like thousands of players, it's hard to narrow it down to just ten. So I I didn't have Magic Johnson quite as high as these guys, but I, when I saw their list, I wasn't like, oh my god, you had Magic <laughs> yeah, Johnson? Yeah. And then, what are you an idiot? Like, you know, I, didn't, I didn't question their picks because he is a great player. So I'll yep. let them explain a little more why I had, they had him higher up. But obviously, I while I didn't put him as high as they did, I don't completely disagree with it either. I don't think it was a crazy move or anything. Yeah. yeah you, you mentioned uh, best point guard of all time. I think right now he is, I think Curry, you know, has the best potential to catch him in that department. Uh, but Curry really needs to win a finals MVP to get in that discussion. But five championships i mean you know he he's a true point guard and it was uh reading down here obviously 
he kind of retired a little bit early, so who knows how how much more he could have done if he had played a few more seasons. But yeah, I mean, that, I'm with Zach on that one. I I do think he's the greatest point guard to ever play. Steph Curry certainly has a chance, and obviously John Stockton was a great point guard too, but. Stockton never won any championships, and Magic Johnson had his five. And like Zach said, I mean, he he had to retire early. It's kind of like Barry Sanders in football. Like, how, how do, what would they have done had they had more time to play? True. And what could they have accomplished in that time? That And obviously Magic already accomplished so much in the time that he played. So that's that's why I had him up as high as I did. All right, so number eight, we've got Kobe Bryant. And, you know, this is Connor's favorite player growing up, so he'll talk about Bryant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kobe, um, I remember on the last podcast I mentioned when I was younger, I rooted for the Lakers a lot, which I knew would make a lot of people mad. But Kobe Bryant, to me, was just... The thing I loved the most about Kobe Bryant was his intimidation factor. I mean... I think I was one one time I saw an interview with Jason Terry who was talking about that Kobe Bryant could just sense the fear in the opponents and the opposing team and he was like a shark in water like once he caught the scent of just a drop of blood there you were done for Kobe Bryant was going to destroy you and and the thing that I really liked the most about Kobe Bryant also along with his intimidation factor is that you know, we talk a, a whole lot about LeBron, and he's one of the greatest scorers of all time, and he's this terrific offensive player. But Kobe, along with being a terrific offensive player, was also one of the best defensive players of his generation. I mean, he made, I think it was nine NBA all-defensive teams over the course of his career, and also to go with, you know, the five championships. And a lot of people, It was I think it was really important for Kobe to win those two championships in 2009 and 2010 because up until that point he had been shadow over shadowed and marred by he wouldn't have won those other championships without Shaq and so to show that he could actually do it on his own and win championships was really important for him and I mean 18 time all-star 20 averaging 25 points and also owns the second highest scored game of all time in the NBA with in the 81 point performance that he put on against, I believe it was the Raptors. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what else there is to say about Kobe Bryant, but he, he was a great player. Certainly. So let me try and find our seventh player on this list. I'm not sure if he's higher. Okay. Here he is. Bill Russell. So Bill Russell, you look at his, you know, awards here 11 championships 12 all-stars if if this man was playing in a competitive era like today then he'd easily be number one you know nobody is going to come close ever i don't nobody nobody will ever have 11 championships you know no, I, I don't Especially think that not happen. in a thirteen-year period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess maybe maybe Patrick McCaw's on his way since he's three and zero. But keep jumping to the right team. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, what keeps it, what keeps uh, Bill Russell back from 
you know, being number one is the era that he played in had less teams and it was, I don't think there was a salary cap. It was less competitive overall. So it was, and they're just, they're just weren't people that I mean, you look at it back he, then either. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, look at 22 and a half rebounds a game. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's insane. Oh, yeah. That it, Nobody comes even close to that in today's time. Mm-hmm. So we've got him at seven. Number six, I believe is up here. Yep. Yeah, here he is. Shaquille O'Neal. The, you know, the partner with Kobe for many of those Lakers championships in the 2000s. He won one MVP, four championships, 15-time All-Star. His free throw percentage was pretty low, but... (laughs) Still better than Lonzo Ball. (laughs) It's better than Lonzo Ball. But, I mean... I would not want to take a charge when Shaq's coming at 300 pounds. The intimidation of this guy playing. And he did win championships on multiple teams, which is hard to do when you're a star, you know. So I had him ranked around this area in my list. He's a top center, in my opinion. Maybe, you know, not the top center of all time, but... Uh, well deserving of, of where he's ranked. Yeah, I, I I agree completely with this. I mean, when I watched Shaq play basketball, especially in his prime with the Lakers, I mean, if he was able to get the ball in the paint, you, the defense might as well just give up. I mean, it, <laughs> it was going to be an automatic layup or a dunk. I mean, you just... Or foul. You couldn't, you couldn't, yeah, that, that's literally what teams would do for a while. They'd put their backups in there and foul Shaq over and over and put him to the free throw <laughs> line. But just the only reason, I guess, why he couldn't be higher was just because he never, you know, had any kind of jump shot or could make free throws. You know, in that regard, his offense was limited. But at the same time, it was like it didn't matter because when, you, when you've got a guy that can get the ball in the paint, and score every time it doesn't matter if they can shoot or not just make that dunk you know there, there was nobody of his size that could defend him one-on-one I mean they the teams had to double team him the whole game that was the only way they could even kind of slow him down so yeah well I hated know. him at the time watching him play because I hated the Lakers so it same <laughs> with Kobe Bryant I I hated watching both of them play, but now that, you know, they've moved on and neither of them are in the NBA anymore, it's like, man, I kind of wish they were back. You know, I I wish I could watch them play again because they both just had this charisma factor about them. And I definitely, now that, you know, my hatred has died down and I realized like, how great of players they really were, you know, I am able to respect their games and there will never be another person with Shaq's size that can be as good as he was. You know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's guys that are like seven foot tall that can, you know, that have good games and stuff, but with the way the NBA is now with 
more like three point shooting and stuff. There's never going to be another Shaq. I, I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. I, it's mm-hmm. not definitely not going to be anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. so I, I have a lot of respect for Shaq. So I wanted to make sure I talked about him some as we went through this list. Yeah. Yeah. Let me find your number five player. I might be going, I'm going in the wrong direction. Yeah. I think you're going the wrong way, but a bit confusing. Oh, that there's is. numbers next to these, but this is our number five. <laughs> yeah, this is our number five. They've got to rank number nine here. But Tim Duncan, you know, a spur legend for sure. He played his entire career with San Antonio. Like Kobe Bryant, he played his whole career with, with Los Angeles. That's pretty rare to to have such a long career with the same team. Five championships, similar to Kobe. 15-time All-Star, 19 points per game, 10.8 rebounds. You know, widely considered the best power forward ever to play. And, you know, he was kind of, he was like a, like the quiet leader. He, he didn't have, uh, you know, many of you listening and watching have probably seen him play before, but, you know, he's not an emotional guy. Like, he's not going to, you know, get filled with rage if, if a call is, is called on against his way. But, you know, he there is something to be said about, you know, leading through uh, action. And I thought he was a great leader for him after David Robinson left. And the Spurs would not have won all those championships without him for sure. So best player on one of the best teams for an era, you got to put him up in this list. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. And. He, especially too when he was younger at the beginning of his career, watching him play with David Robinson was just insane. I mean, it, that's arguably the best front court duo of all time because David Robinson is a Hall of Famer and legend himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's not going to be on anybody's top ten list or anything, most likely, but. He was Top a great tw- player. Top 20, probably. Top mm-hmm. 20, probably, for sure. But, you know, so when you've got a top 20 player and a top 10 player of all time that were on the same team at one point, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably Look not as, they're probably not as great of a duo necessarily as Kobe and Shaq. You know, we have both of them in our top 10 all time. But as a front court pairing, I mean, these guys were just unbelievable to watch. It was one of my favorite championships I've ever seen. You know, one was when, David Robinson and Tim Duncan won a championship together. That was a really cool moment in my younger days of watching basketball. So, and just the fact that with as long of a career as he had and all the accolades and winning a finals against the Heat, even when they had that ridiculously good team and really should have beat them twice. Yeah. They they kind of blew that one series, should have beat them twice, but the fact that they even did it once was amazing in itself. So, I have a, you know, he is kind of a quiet personality. He's not someone that's going to excite you per se all the time. But, you know, if you look, you know, looking at his career averages, there are 19 points and almost 11 rebounds a game. I mean, he's just was a consistent 20 and 10 guy night after night after night. And that's ultimately what you want from a power forward or a center on your team. If you're getting that, you're doing good. So, well, and I I think what, what probably sets him, Part I think in my mind from Shaq, you know, because we have him one spot ahead of Shaq, mm-hmm. and they're both similar players, is that 
I think it was the way how Duncan was able to keep it going longer than Shaq did. Yeah. Because you could see towards the end of Shaq's career, he was kind of jumping around teams and, you know, he was, he was still the major force in the pain. If you got it to him, you know, he could shoot, but he just couldn't do it for, couldn't do it at the level that That's Duncan true. did as long That's as Duncan true. did. And because even up until the end of his career, Duncan was still a guy you had to look out for, and he was still playing significant minutes. Oh, yeah. So that's a great he, point. Yeah, and so I think that's why the one thing that probably is how you can set him apart from Shaq and put him one spot higher. So now we're going to number four. There we go. They've got him <laughs> three, yeah. So Will Chamberlain is who we have at number four. Obviously a big-time scorer. His average is insane here. 30 points, 23 <laughs> rebounds, four MVPs, two championships, 13 All-Stars. Uh, I don't know too much about him other than, the obviously, the 100-point game that he had all-time, uh, highest scoring in a game ever. But I, I know this guy you know, for his time was, was great. But unfortunately I just, you know, don't know too much about him. So I'll let these guys talk a little bit about Wilt. Yeah. I mean, ultimately for Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell, you know, they were both past all three of our times. So we never watched them play or anything, but for, to me, Wilt Chamberlain, is very similar to Bill Russell. And it's like what Zach said, it's hard to rank him higher because of the era that he played in. And you, some people would probably argue that Bill Russell is better in the sense that he won more championships mm-hmm. and things like that. But I don't think that necessarily makes him, you know, made him a better player. I, Bill Russell just had the better team, but Look at these. I mean, just looking at them, I don't like to always just strictly go off of stats, but it's hard not to do that when <laughs> you weren't able to watch them play. But yeah, 30 over you know, 30 points and over 20 rebounds a game is just an ungodly number. And you know, if he was able to produce that in today's era with there oh. being more teams oh. and everything, <laughs> like people, then there would be no doubt he would be the best player. So it's, yeah. it's hard. I had him as number three on my list. It's It's hard to have him at number one just because there weren't as many teams back then but you know he has a hundred points a 100 point game which kobe got kind of close with that 81 but it, it's just never been even close yeah. truly challenged since then and he i believe he also has the record for most rebounds in a game too so I think he had, yeah, 55 yeah, rebounds he had in a game. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's like 2K stats. Like, when you're like playing like rookie, you know, you just stat past the player. Like, that, that's what it's like. Okay. It's like he was like putting up his own shots and missing them on purpose to just grab his rebounds. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It says right I, here, he was merely toying with the league through his massive size and talent. Like, you know, yeah, well, it just, there's, there's, never going to be a another big man like him like it's it's great he's a beast man that obviously that's why he's ranked so high so yeah i mean i actually had him ranked the lowest out of the three of us i actually had him ranked down at number eight below bill russell but i mean even what these guys were talking about bill russell 
he, I mean, I think it says it in his description on here that will basically every year in the playoffs, kind of like with the bird and magic rivalry, it came down to Wilt versus Russell. And back then, and unfortunately for Wilt Chamberlain, as good of a player as he was, he just didn't have the team at all around him. Like he was the whole team. Whereas while Russell was also a big star, he had somewhat of a more competent team around him than Wilt Chamberlain did. So it's, it's a little hard for me to rank him higher than Bill Russell, just because Bill Russell won so much more. But yeah, the, the numbers are just out of this world. I mean, how no one will ever come close to that. in my opinion ever. Yeah. So our number three, LeBron James, the only, <laughs> the only current player now that Duncan has retired on this list in our top 10 slash 11. And we've got him ranked at number three between the, all three of us, Connor put him at two. I put him at three. Eric put him at four. So this is a true average really for him. And his career averages right here, 27, 7, and 7, 4 MVPs, 12 first team, 14 All-Stars, 3 championships. His final record, though, is 3 and 5, or 3 and 6. 3 and 6. Not good. So that his finals record, you know, if that was better, he'd have a much better argument to be number 2 or number 1, I think. But to me... You know, he's got to be here because the eight straight finals appearances that he had in the East is such, you know, such a difficult thing to do. I know the East was weak for a lot of that, but to make it eight straight times, you know, not even the Patriots have made eight straight Super Bowls. Like, it seems like they're in it every year, but it truly (laughs) was like LeBron versus whoever came out of the West and... Uh, he's you know pretty much every team he's been on he some I don't somehow he took that Cavaliers team real early in his career to the finals against the Spurs they got swept by the Spurs but I mean he carried them on his back to that finals um, but and he's still playing too but so he's uh, you know fourth or something on the all time scoring list he's trying to break some more records and stuff but. Uh, I can't put him in the one or two spots. We're going to talk about those guys next, but uh, LeBron's, you know, all-time great player for sure. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next season with Anthony Davis and if he can add another ring, but uh, that'll be predictions for for later episodes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think you, Zach, hit the nail on the head there with the fact that, you know, one thing that we haven't seen with any of the other players on this list is that all the other players on this list, aside from probably Wilt Chamberlain, spent their entire career with, uh, well, and Shaq too, but pretty much spent, all the everybody else spent their entire career with one team. Like mm-hmm. Magic was with the Lakers, Duncan was with the Spurs, Kobe with the Lakers, Olajuwon with the Rockets, Russell with the Celtics. But you can just see with the teams that LeBron has been on how much he how much value he was to those teams and how much he carried them. Because I mean, you look at the Cavaliers, both times that he left, 
you know, the first time in 2011 when he went to the Heat, they were coming off of a playoff run. They didn't make the finals, but, you know, they got close. And LeBron makes his decision that he's going to go down and play in Miami. And then all of a sudden, the Cavaliers turn into the worst team in the league and set a new record for a losing streak in the NBA because that was how much he meant to the team. And also this past season when he went to the Lakers, you know, the Cavaliers were coming off of a spot in the championship. And once again, he le- LeBron leaves the team and the Cavaliers are left being the second worst team in the East, you know, better than only the Knicks. So it's a unique sensation that we've gotten to see it with him, how valuable he is to teams and how much he can carry them and that we don't get to see with other players on this list. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now our number two spot. Michael, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, wait, Zach, is there a glitch? <laughs> I, was, I was seeing if you guys are awake. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we've got number two. Uh, the best center of all time and the all-time points leader. Look at... You know, some of these six championships, six MVPs, 25 points, 11 rebounds. And he was absolutely sensational. The, the sky hook, you know, that he had is the most, you know, you, you can't defend that at all. And it, like it says right here, his points record has stood the test of time. It's been 20 years since he retired, and, you know, it's still probably not going to be. I don't think LeBron's going to pass it. And it was interesting when Magic came in and joined that Lakers team, the connection that they had. But, uh, you know, I didn't obviously grow up watching this guy or anything, but I just know how amazing he was and, and... you know his awards here are pretty hard to argue against. So, yeah, when you when you have the most MVPs and the most points scored all time, you're definitely obviously in the conversation as one of the best ever. <laughs> you're doing something the, right. Yeah, the fact that there's a lot of people that, unfortunately, with a lot of the younger audience that hasn't seen a lot of. You know, some of these old school players, it disappoints me when I see a young person make their top five and players like Kareem are not in their top fives. Their top fives will be like, some of them won't even have Jordan at number one, but Jordan will probably be in there. And then maybe like LeBron and Kobe and Steph or something are their top five. And I'm like, how do you not have a guy like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in there <laughs> yeah, who has the most MVPs, a ton of championships, and he has the most points scoring all, all time? And I don't and know how old he was, was when before he first got to the NBA. Shot, but... right? like, I think a lot yeah. of it was before the three-point shot was even a thing. So, Yeah, but yeah. The, the thing is, too, is um, – shoot, I kind of lost my train of thought there. but Sorry. That's okay. Basically, this guy, when he went to the sky hook, it was unstoppable. As Zach said, you could not defend this. And as I was saying too, just I'll probably remember what my thought was when I was uh, <laughs> whenever we 
go to whenever I rewatch this later, but when I see young people that don't have a guy like him in their top five, it just blows my mind. And it shows that, you know, people that have lists like that don't respect the older greats. And so I, I do enjoy doing this podcast with you guys. Cause while y'all are younger than me and half these guys on this list, you never even saw play a game, but you understand how great they are and you are willing to put them in your, top tens and everything so i yeah i mean kareem abdul jabbar and same i didn't watch him play either he was before my time as well but i know how great of a player he was and again he was on for a lot of his career he was on a team i hate the lakers (laughs) (laughs) which i hate even more with lebron he did uh win a championship with the box though so yeah he did win a championship way back in the early 70s that trade probably the worst trade of all time whatever the box got i i it could, you know, that, that's got to be the worst trade of all time. But interesting yeah. enough, I never, I've never seen that mentioned on worst trades before. Like, really? obviously, I've seen the the Hornets trading Kobe away yeah. a lot on a, a ton of lists, but uh, yeah, I've never seen that trade mentioned oh. before on worst trades lists. Yeah, let's see here. For Elmore Smith, Brian Winters, Dave Myers, and Junior Bridgman. Hey, you won't see those. You won't see any of those guys in the top ten, <laughs> let alone the top fifty. Probably, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, you know, no offense to these guys, but I don't know who any of them are. So, so yeah. There's, there's nothing. There's not really much more you can say. But the guy was just a piece. That's, that's the bottom line. <laughs> All right. So number one, big shocker coming up right here. The people are guessing right now. Who's it going to be? Here it is. Ta-da! Jordan. <laughs> uh, 30 points per game, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 MVPs, 14 All-Stars, 6 championships, 6-0 and in championships, too. Never lost the finals. Uh, but this is Eric's guy. I know. We all put him at number one, obviously. But Eric uh, has... Mm, put his interest out to talk about Jordan. So normally yeah. Eric likes to think about, you know, bad things, but this is a, this is a positive thing for Eric to talk about. A positive <laughs> rant. <laughs> yeah. The, well, the, the only, the only reason why this could be a rant is just because, like I said, there's a lot of younger people that put maybe LeBron and Kobe over Michael Jordan. And so I could rant about that, but Michael, what sets Michael Jordan apart for me, the reason why he, he's my number one greatest player of all time. And the reason why LeBron will probably never be my number one greatest of all time is because of the clutch factor. As I said, clutch crew sports, (laughs) that wasn't why we named it that. But um, if you're in the NBA finals and you need a player to get the ball and create a shot with less than 10 seconds left and make a shot to tie or win you the game. There's nobody you can realistically look to more than Michael Jordan. I mean, this guy, I watched him get so many buzzer beaters. And I know the ones in that picture above the screen there that when Zach had the picture up was the one against the jazz that won them the NBA finals. 
some I know people will say he pushed off on that shot, but that just showed how clutch he was, though, to make that shot in such a big moment. And as great of a player as LeBron is, you could argue LeBron is a more physical player, and not. I mean, Michael Jordan played in a more physical era, era with the de- the way people were allowed to play defense back then. But you know, if you want to compare like LeBron's size and everything like that to Jordan, and some people say that LeBron's a better passer and rebounder, but I, I feel like a, a lot passer. of I feel like a lot of LeBron's assists and rebound stats and stuff are kind of skewed a little bit with the way he gets some of those. So I don't necessarily just strictly look at numbers. That's why I said earlier too, I don't like to necessarily just go off of stats, but I kind of had to with some of the players that I didn't get to see play. But if, if I could pick any NBA player in their prime to make me a shot at the end of a playoff game or NBA finals, I'm picking Michael Jordan. I mean, I watch this guy make just some of the most unbelievable shots. You'd think, oh, there's no way that's going in. Oh, it goes in. I mean, <laughs> this guy just, when he wanted to and he wanted to put it on, he could do it whenever he wanted. He could take over the game at will. And I know we don't have all of his numbers, but he would always step it up in the playoffs too. I mean, he had an NBA Finals one time where he averaged like 40 something points a game and the, you know what it wasn't like where Steph Curry in the last NBA finals he had that 147 point game but then like he was doing what Steph Curry did in game 3 of the NBA finals this year every single game of the NBA finals he and that's another reason why I have him like ranked over LeBron too I feel like LeBron tends to I don't want to necessarily say choke because he's had some good fourth quarter moments in the playoffs, but I feel like a, a majority of the time, I don't know if he gets nervous or if he, like if he gets double teamed, he doesn't want to take the shot. And so he kicks it out a lot. He passes the ball a lot to role players at the end of game, of big games. Michael Jordan wasn't doing that. You could triple team him. He's still finding a way to take the shot. I mean, this guy just had a killer instinct, kind of like what, Connor mentioned about Kobe. Michael Jordan had the same ability just to take over a game at will and destroy you when he wanted to. And there was nobody better at it than him. And I didn't really have a team as a kid either per se, but when, when I saw that Michael Jordan was going to be on a game on TV, I was watching it because I knew at that time that he was the greatest player and since then, no no player since Michael Jordan has ever come close to cracking my number one. You know, at least out of this current era, there's mm-hmm. not going to be anybody better. So maybe whenever the next wave of players comes in, I'll evaluate and see how players do at that time. But with the current era of players, it just doesn't come close. Michael Jordan, hands down, the best player of all time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will. I won't like you. You did a good job there of uh, of highlighting his skills and everything. But I just wanted to add a quick little story here. So my mom grew up in New Jersey, and this was back when they had the New Jersey Nets. And 
she went with my grandfather to a game and they were playing the Bulls. And so mainly they went to see Magic, or not Magic, Michael, um, Michael Jordan play. And they, like, my grandpa told me that, like, every time Jordan shot and, like, and he made a shot, like, the crowd, like, was cheering. Even though they were, you know, Nets fans, they were just, like, so excited for Jordan to make shots. And then he said that Jordan made a buzzer beater to win on the game. And he said the place was going crazy. And it wasn't like they were going crazy, like, they were mad or, you know, angry. They were going crazy because they were fans of, of Jordan, and they were wearing like net gear and stuff. And to me, I was I was thinking how crazy that would be as a fan, you know, of another team. Like, how can somebody be, you know, so good and so, you know, inspiring that it makes you want to root for him to make the game-winning shot rather than missing it? Like that was totally a crazy story to me but oh yeah i mean you'd never see that today with like lebron i mean if lebron went anywhere that wasn't i guess right now la if he went anywhere outside of la and made a buzzer beater shot he'd be getting there'd be booze raining down from the crowd i mean nobody sees lebron like that every you know like the way they saw michael jordan and you know just like eric said there's nobody like him no ever has been and Honestly, probably never will be anybody like Michael Jordan. Yeah. I will say, too, about Michael Jordan, I feel really bad in a way for whoever his uh, middle school basketball coach, I think it was, that cut <laughs> him from the team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he, he couldn't shoot like free throws. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, or no, sorry. Uh, Connor, did you ever watch uh, Space Jam? God, I knew you were going to throw this out here. <laughs> Yeah, um, we were discussing this not too long ago, and yes, I have never watched Space Jam, so give me all leave, your hate. Give me all your hate comments. Leave a comment in the comments <laughs> if you think Connor should be banned from Clutch Crew Sports until he watches the movie. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I, I've heard a lot of good stuff yeah. about it. I mean, I just—it's one of those things that I've never gone back and thought about like when i thought oh there's movies that i want to watch that's just never come up in my mind because i don't know i've just never thought about it even though i've obviously heard about the movie Mm -hmm. and you know they're coming out with the lebron space jam 2 not too long from now so boo yeah (laughs) it's not gonna gonna be as good yeah Yeah, i mean yeah it's definitely on my list of movies that i need to watch (laughs) all right all right so now we'll, uh, we finish like the NBA talk, and we'll, Connor's got some current events to talk about. I've got one story to talk about, and Eric's got some uh, some of his NASCAR uh, DraftKings. Draft yep, yep. Yeah. So actually, I thought about this while before we started the current events section and while we we're doing the podcast. One thing that I didn't have lined up that I want to briefly mention is the news about UConn moving back to the Big East, possibly. And so, as we all know, in football, the Big East Conference no longer exists. It went out of commission, I think, what was it, like five years ago now was when the Big East went out it's of commission. Been, yeah, football. it's been a while. Yeah, okay. it's been at least five years. And so, but yeah, the 
UConn Huskies are thinking of moving back to the Big East. They're currently part of the American Athletic Conference. Mm -hmm. But at least in basketball and baseball and some other sports, they'd move back to the Big East. And they're talking about in football that they'd probably go to being independent. That They probably wouldn't stay in the American Athletic Uh Conference. They'd take the Notre Dame route and go and be independent. And and a big reason on that is, you know, the American is kind of a really weird geographical conference. It's got teams, you know, you've got a team in Houston, you've got a team in Connecticut. Like, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's it's a lot of different states. It's all over the map. Uh, But so I think they want to like, as far as the basketball, anyways, they want to play more traditional rivals like Villanova and, you know, their Big East, former Big East, like, rivals and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, I think that's the main motivation for the move. But Yeah. We'll have to see how that all goes down because mm-hmm. it could be coming soon or not. Yeah. But now on to some NHL news since you all know I'm a hockey fan. And NHL draft happened just the other night. Didn't really follow it too closely. But... Probably the biggest news to come out of the NHL draft, the post NFL NFL NHL draft <laughs> the other night, um, the New Jersey Devils are coming off having the very first pick in the NHL draft. So obviously, kind of like with the Pelicans and the NBA, they got the best player in the draft, and they also just recently made this blockbuster trade with the Nashville Predators to acquire PK Subban, who PK Subban he's an All Star, he's often seen as one of the best defenders in the league. He's a former Norris Trophy winner, which is given out to the best defenseman at the end of the year. Actually, I think it's the best offensive defenseman, but it's generally regarded as the best defenseman award. And so, especially for a team like the... I'm guessing, I don't know if the Predators have salary problems or what's going on, because the Predators are a contender. I mean, they were they're coming off, they were the number one seed in the West this year again for like, you know, the second or third time in three years. So it's interesting to me that they would trade away Subban, which I think Zach's highlighting it right now. It Mm -hmm. has to be because of salary problems, because if there's, you know, over the past few seasons, they've been building this all-star team. So, and obviously the devils being the worst team in the league for the most part, other than the senators, I think, you know, they have a lot of money to spare and they're trying to build for the future and having a veteran leader like PK Subban, who's also playing at a high level could really turn the corner for the devils. And unfortunately I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen because they're one of the hurricanes biggest rivals in the league, but it's, it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out and what the future is going to be like for the devils and the predators. And, you know, will losing P.K. Subban cause the Predators to... I don't know if it'll cause them to miss the playoffs, but it'll certain, they won't be a top seed anymore without him. And I don't, I don't know if they'll, they'll be able to compete for the Stanley Cup without him. Awesome. So, yeah, but so moving on to... We had some NASCAR over the weekend. It was the first road course race of the season at Sonoma. And Martin Truex Jr. took the victory at Sonoma with Kyle Busch taking second. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to my man, Matt DiBenedetto, going with a fourth-place finish. Uh, I don't know if he's watching these episodes of this podcast, but I have a friend who lives out in Kansas. His name is Aaron, and 
we were big NASCAR enthusiasts in high school, and we were always talking about Matt DiBenedetto and how if they just gave the dude a chance that he could probably be one of the top drivers. And they still haven't given him a chance, haven't given him a good ride, but he's out here. He came up with a fourth-place finish, his first top five of his career. So shout-out to Matty D. And uh, I'll let Eric talk about his DraftKings fantasy lineup that he made for the race. Yeah, so I joined a four-team or four-person lineup. So if you finished first or second, you won. And if you got third or fourth, you didn't. As you can see by the standings here, I got second place. I got kind of lucky, though, with this one. I'm definitely not going to sit here and say it was all skill as to why I won. I really didn't have a great showing this week. Um, I took Kyle Larson because he was sitting on the pole at number one. I thought he was going to lead a lot of the laps and get me some points, but he didn't even lead one lap. (laughs) (laughs) And he dropped a tenth, which cost me a few points. My only really good driver overall was Kyle Busch, who started in seventh and moved up to second and got a nice scoring for that. Joey Logano was my biggest disappointment with only six points, but the only thing what benefited me with him was that all four of the people in the lineup picked him, so that didn't end up hurting me. But I also got really lucky because the two people that finished third and fourth, you can't see the scores on the screen, but first place had 185, and you can see my score up in the top. I had 150, and then third had 85, and fourth had 44, so... Third and fourth did really bad. <laughs> uh, they had people. If you had just started started. Kyle Bush, you could have beaten you know, the fourth place. Yeah, yeah. If Kyle Bush was my only driver, <laughs> I still would have beat fourth place. So that's how bad he did. <laughs> but he had Chase Elliott, I know the fourth place guy, who started in fourth and wrecked and finished 37. So he lost a ton of points. He That Chase Elliott was in the negatives. So uh, if I had done a lineup in a group where, say, there probably was – 50 people and I needed to finish in the top 20 to win, I most likely wouldn't have won. But fortunately for me, third and fourth did really bad. So this was not my strongest NASCAR lineup, but thankfully I still won. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Good job for Eric there. And so now we're going to move on. We've been talking about this story over the past two podcasts, and Zach's here to give us an update on Kerry Blackshear. Yeah, so... Aside from maybe now that UConn's changing conferences, this has been the biggest college basketball non-draft-related story uh, the past week or so, and it has to deal with Kerry Blackshear. And the trend, you know, I think now it's it's decided that he's between Kentucky and Tennessee. And according to this Kentucky website, this is like the, I'll do my... Dick Vitale voice here. Big Blue Nation, baby. <laughs> uh, I did not see he's, that coming. He's, he's a funny guy. Uh, I, I can't stand him when he does Tennessee games because he's always pulling for the, you know, he's always pulling for Kentucky, it seems like, and whoever the favorite is supposed to be. Uh, but he, I just know he, he always loves saying big blue, big blue, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Isn't that Michigan's thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it might be, but they, 
for Kentucky basketball. And, and football, at least. Yeah, it's Michigan's Kentucky thing. They, they love big blue. That's that's what they say. So, I mean, Tennessee's like big orange, so like it's just big color. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, well, do I do I have to say big Carolina blue? <laughs> it is um, a different shade. <laughs> but uh, so, but the reason that this is to me enough to share to make it credible is the fact that the Kentucky uh, websites and fan sites here are saying that it's leaning toward that he's leaning towards Tennessee. And this is interesting because after he had his visit a couple of days ago, I was seeing these same like big blue nation reports and stuff that he was trending towards Kentucky and likely to sign with Kentucky. They made it seem like like he was, you know, for sure going to be joining Kentucky. And then you get this tweet here, or this quote by Coach Cal, Cal Perry. And he says, this is about his front court, quote, we're good if we add, fine. If we don't, we're good. Now, that doesn't sound very confident to me. Sounds and, like screw you, Kerry Blackshear. Yeah, so it, it's, uh, it sure seems like he's not optimistic that they're going to land Kerry Blackshear and uh, it's going to be interesting because you know the teams that he that he's deciding between are rival teams in the same conference so like I said before the decision wherever he goes is going to you know make a big difference in I think how the teams end up doing and potentially you know his own stock uh, I don't think he really has a bad decision between Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, you know, I'd say Coach Barnes is the second best coach in the SEC at turning college prospects pro behind Cal at Kentucky. So he's got potentially the two best coaches to, to turn pro with. And, you know, you can, even though Barnes is a step below Cal for NBA draft prospects and stuff. You know, you can point to Grant Williams coming in as a three-star player and getting picked 22 in this year's draft that, you know, he played a similar position that he can prepare him for that. Yeah, I want to make a quick little counter-argument, yeah. not, not just because I'm a Tennessee fan, but I would almost argue Rick Barnes is better too. Just not, It's hard to say, but the only reason why I would say maybe he might be better is because if you look at some of the players that, Calipari is able to get in with you know the prestige and namesake of Kentucky like give me Anthony Davis as a college <laughs> basketball coach and I'll get I'll get him in the NBA okay <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah like he's some of the five-star recruits versus yeah three it's, it's not recruits. like he you know like you said he yeah. took Grant Williams who like nobody had heard of he was and he, beca- and he, he became and he yeah, became his... a first round pick and won SEC player yeah. of the year twice you know what I mean yeah so I would almost argue in a way that Rick Barnes is more impressive and being able to take players that aren't well-recognized or people might think are not very good and then turning them into better players. Whereas, you know, when, when you get all these five-star recruits, like, I could make most of them be NBA players, be like, all right, go out there and shoot the ball. Okay, oh, you're in the NBA. <laughs> just like that. Yeah, yeah. I just Yeah, anyway, sorry, I just wanted to throw a little... And also, too, before you continue, I'm going to to give a – I guess this is going to be a slightly 
disappointing shout out to my friends, uh, Robert and Alan. Robert, we've mentioned in previous podcasts, has played DraftKings with us. And then Alan, we have not mentioned this podcast yet, but they're both Gators fans. And it was looking like initially, well, not that he was for sure going to go to Florida, but Florida was one of the teams mm-hmm. Kerry Blackshear was considering visit. going to. Yeah. And with it looking like more like he's going to choose Tennessee or Kentucky, it looks like there's a good chance the Gators are out. So I disappointing, believe, di- yeah, disappointing I, news for you guys, for uh, I, Robert and Allen. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've clicked on most every link that has Kerry Blackshear's name trying to find out information. And I've seen some links where, where it has uh, Gators basketball players tweeting that uh, Blackshear is not coming to them. So that, I mean, it's, I definitely put them out of the running for sure. But they were, I mean, he he took a visit there, so they were in the mix. And actually, Tennessee was kind of a late team to get in the mix. They were one of the the later teams to, to join in on this. And he ended up not taking a visit to Texas A&M, which he was going to as well, which is interesting. Another interesting, you know, I, I read so much about the his visits and stuff. He took a visit to Tennessee with his parents, but when he went to Kentucky, he was alone. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> there's a lot of different things. Like I know this is this is heating up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's all the news right now on him. I, they expect you know him to make decisions soon. So by the next episode, we should have the team that he's on confirmed. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, so good information there. And moving on, we got two last topics I want to cover really quickly before we end the current events section of the podcast. Uh, along with NASCAR over the weekend, Formula One happened at the French Grand Prix. Once again, familiar name, Lewis Hamilton winning the race. And it's interesting to note, I saw an article beforehand about saying that only a miracle could save the season right now. And it's one of the factors to me about Formula One that makes it inferior to NASCAR is the fact that the competition just doesn't seem to be present in Formula One at all, at least especially right now. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is and Mercedes are just running away with the season like they have the past four seasons, really. Whereas in NASCAR, you go out every week and who knows who could win each week and there's by the end of the season, there's usually around 12 or 13 different winners that come out of the season. Whereas in Formula One, you're lucky to get more than three different winners, it seems, in this season. So, And the other interesting thing to note was we were talking about the frustrations that Ferrari had been having and how they, at the beginning of the year in the testing, they were the fastest team and were supposed to be the fastest going into the season. But an interesting thing to note about the the engine performance and the performance of their cars compared to Mercedes, you see Sebastian Vettel there in fifth. The reason why he's in fifth and not in third where Leclerc is, is because Vettel decided that he was going to make an extra pit stop towards the end of the race because he wanted to go for the fastest lap of the race with a fresh set of tires and which eventually he did get the fastest lap. But I, I think his fastest lap was only a couple hundredths faster than Lewis Hamilton's fastest lap which at the time that Vettel set the fastest lap, he was on fresh tires. 
And when Hamilton had set that fastest lap previous, he was on 29 lap old tires. So it's really interesting to see this. That really can illustrate the difference in performance between the two teams right now and how Mer- it's easy to see why Mercedes is just running away with the season. That would have been, real quick, that would have been embarrassing if he you know, took his chance at third place out for to, go. to try and get that fastest lap and not get the fastest lap. Like, that would have been really embarrassing right. if he wasn't able to, on fresh tires. Like, Yeah. So, I don't know. Head scratchers for Team Ferrari and mm-hmm. uh, Formula One. But lastly, we're going to close with the Women's World Cup. More positive note, Team USA won their game against Sweden despite all of the talk that they maybe should intentionally lose the game or throw the game. That didn't happen. They won two to nothing, and they face a round of 16 date with Spain, which uh, it's going to be interesting to see who, if the USA takes down Spain, who they're going to face in the quarterfinal, because obviously you say, oh, they don't want to play France because France is the host nation and they're a good team. But the other prospect is them playing against Brazil, which Mm -hmm. Brazil, although they're not having as great of a year this year, I know that Marta, who is widely seen as probably the greatest women's soccer player of all time, except for maybe Mia Hamm. Marta really, really, really wants this World Cup win. I mean, she hasn't, despite how great of a player she is, Brazil hasn't won anything in the time that she's been there. So it's it's not going to be an easy road for the U.S. If they can get past Spain and then get past either France or Brazil, then it starts to lighten up because then it's going to be the top four teams above them, Norway, Australia, England, Cameroon, None of them, except for maybe, maybe England, provide any real threat to the United States. So these next two matches are going to be probably the most key matchups for the United States going into and the World Cup. Would you say that they're probably heavy favorites against Spain, or is that... Yeah, I'd, I'd say a lot of people out there would be pretty surprised if okay. Spain were to win. Right. Yeah, if I think even against Brazil, I think the U.S. would still be pretty heavy favorites. It's mm-hmm. only really against France that... Okay. Again, I think the U.S. would still be favored, but by a lot less against Got France. It. Yeah, it's going to be in Paris, too, the biggest city. So Yeah. Um, so thank you guys again for listening. We're wrapping this up now. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe to whatever uh, podcast, YouTube site you prefer to listen to. Like the YouTube, you get to the benefit of seeing the screen that we're basing our show off of the podcast has you know some intro and outro music and stuff they're a little bit different but uh whichever you prefer you you have the option to listen to and let us know like leave comments follow our social media pages to message us anything you guys want to hear us talk about your thoughts like for the 15 dollar lineup like that one person on instagram message me if you have your $15 lineup let me know we can add it to the 2k simulation thing do a little tournament or something to see how that that plays out but for bragging rights of course but um but this is gonna wrap this one up guys this is a good show long show but uh we covered a lot and expect for another episode to be out sometime next week or so and We'll probably have it NBA free agency is going to be coming up next week, I believe. So maybe we'll have a prediction show on that. 
if it's already started, we'll have analysis on that. More trades, more current events. Eric's going to have another rant. He doesn't know what it'll be yet, but he's going to rant. When, when, yeah, when, when it when it gets closer, we'll, we'll do like a poll. You guys can guess what I'm going to rant about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank, thank you, everybody who tuned in, and we'll catch you later. See you guys. And NBA, quit making these players wear the wrong hats when they get drafted. <laughs> <laughs>